You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. It's great to be back with you, and it's great to be able to share God's Word with you and to see what's happening. I want to start off with a story. Here's the story. I was in high school. And um, I had a really good, um, a really good friend. And one of my friends was actually a teacher. She was, she was, she was just an amazing teacher that invested in students' lives. Um, she had, a, she had, a, um, she was a single mom. She had a kid that was uh, my little brother's age, and um, she would just do a lot of cool things. But well, one day she called me up, which was very, very rare. She called me up and she called me up in tears, which is also very rare, because um, she, she was a very collected person, a very powerful woman, and she called me up in tears. I could not understand what she said. And so I just hung up the phone and I rushed over to her house. And as I come into her living room, I come upon something that no person should ever come upon. You see a dead dog in the middle of the living room floor. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, wow, the dog is dead. And she is just bawling. And she's and what, I, what I get from this is this is her son Ben's dog. And um, what had happened, just after after story, I figured this out. She had left the dog on the back porch on a leash, and the dog had kind of tangled itself up and, and got off, this, off the side of the, the porch and had um, and hung itself. And she came home to find out. And so she brings in, and she's bawling, and she's like, you've got to do something. And I'm looking at it, and I said, this is cold. Your, your dog is dead. And she says, we have to do something. I said, your dog is dead. And she grabs me by the shirt. And she pulls me up and she goes, you will do something. I said, what do you do? She goes, aren't you a lifeguard or something? (laughs) There are points in your life when you wish people didn't know things about you. (laughs) There are points in your life when you don't tell people you know how to do certain things because then there are the expectations that come upon it. Then there are just points in your life like, what? What? And she's like, do something. And I said, I don't know what to do. She goes, show me. So we get down there. And I, it comes with a little puppy's nose. I give the dog mouth a snap. <laughs> and you see his little chest go. Yeah, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm about to cry because I'm dog slobber on my mouth. Not because of the situation, right? And, and I keep... And, and it goes out. And all of a sudden... This is no joke. I'm not making this story up. All of a sudden, you see the little dog's leg go. Like, what was that? I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to touch the dog now. Right? But then you look down and the little dog's breathing. All by itself. I resuscitated a dead dog with mouth and snout. It didn't like me while I was giving it mouth snout, I promise. Nothing. <laughs> I tell you, there are times in our life that we come on a collision course with something. And we're like, how do we get ourselves in this situation? How, how, did, how did this happen? Is this even real? And there are times in our life that we collide with Jesus. Okay? And when we collide with Jesus, you think we sometimes when we think of a collision, we think of horrible things happening. And we, and we think of casualties. But sometimes when you collide with Jesus, something beautiful comes out of it. We have moments where we collide with Jesus and we have to decide what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do with this collision with Jesus? He says it, it is better. It's better because of this. But many times it doesn't feel better. Many times it doesn't look better. And many times you question if it is better. Do we believe that it's better? Fill in the blank here. Okay? God says that this is the better way forward. And we can fill in the blank with a lot of things. You tell me if you, if you agree with God, if you think it's a better way. God says there's a better way for marriage. God says there is a better way for parenting. God says there is a better way for love. God says there is a better way for sex. God says there is a better way to handle your money. God says there is a better way to have friendships. And our question, the thing we come into contact with, is do I do it His way, or do I say, God, I hear what you're saying, right? I hear what you're saying about Jesus and stuff, 
And, and I think that works for a lot of people, but and I think it's probably works for most. But dude, you don't understand my situation. That might work in this situation, but you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand what's happening in my life. And so the question is, do you really believe that God has a better way? And when he says this is the better way, does that better way apply to your life too? It's just like when we walk out of a dark place and you walk out to the bright sunlight. You ever done that? And also you're like, wow. And it's just so bright, it's overwhelming. You literally can't see anything. Jesus is going to say some stuff in the Bible. And he's going to say some stuff in your life. And you're not going to be sure if you even want to hear it. It is going to be so bright. It's going to knock you so back. You're like, I don't know if I can handle this right now. That's too much. And Jesus is going to challenge us. He's going to say, just stand there for a moment. Will you just stand in the light for a moment? You don't, you don't even necessarily have to say, just stand here for a moment. And give your eyes a chance to adjust to what God is speaking to you today. If you do that... Some things might start coming into focus into your life. Things that maybe you've never been able to see will start coming into play. These things are what Jesus would call truth. When we walk out of the darkness into the bright light and we'll stand there and let our eyes adjust to what God is putting in front of us, these things are what God would call truth. And if you will hold on to these things, God says in his word that his truth will what? It will set us free. Right? Is that right? That's right. Okay? And we're, we're not just free to receive from him, but free from some stuff, from some junk, from some crap in our lives, right? Like anger. Free from bitterness. Free from regret. Free from shame. Free, free from guilt. This morning we're in book and a family in the Bible. And it's a situation that you have either gone through in life or you're going to go through. Okay? And I'm going to ask God to help us. I'm going to ask God to help you. Because here's the deal. Sometimes we come to God and we're like, God, I need your help. I need your help. And it feels like when we ask him, he does nothing. Anyone there with me? God, I need your help. And I'll say, like, hello? Did you, did you hear me? Did you ever repeat that? You know, do you need a text? Well, how, how, how do I do this with you, God? It feels like he does nothing. We, we pray, God, something bad has just happened in my life. Or, God, something bad is about to happen in my life, and I need you to do something, preferably by Tuesday, okay? Like something bad is going to happen. And then it's like we're waiting, and it's like crickets. Crickets. Where are you, God? And when that happens to me, to me, it feels like one of two things is going on. The first thing I think is going on is maybe I've just asked God to do something he can't help me with. I've just reached the limits of God, right? God, evidently God can't help me with this. He's not answering. Or the second thing, which is the one I really don't like, is that God could help me, but he's choosing not to help me. You ever, anyone else ever felt these things? You felt these things? I feel these things. If you haven't been there yet, it's only a matter of time, my friends. It's only a matter of time where you're like, God, where the heck are you? Here's the story. Today our story is going to be a little different than our stories in the Bible. Many times when Jesus comes in contact with people, when he has collisions, collisions with people, it's with, with everyday strangers. He comes in contact with a woman at the well, remember? It's a happenstance acquaintance, if you will. Not happenstance of God's view, but from us. He's sitting at my well. A woman comes up, and he starts talking to her. There's another situation where he talks to a guy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a ruler, is a, is a teacher of the law. He comes to Jesus by night, seeks out Jesus. These are just happenstance, if you will. They're God-ordained um, encounters. But there's total strangers. This is not that way. These are some of Jesus' closest friends. Their names are Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. In all of the Gospels, all three of these people are, are noted. In all of the Gospels. In all three are also, in all three Gospels, it's noted, they are sure to note that Jesus loves these people, and these people love him. Jesus was tight with them, right? They were able to just acquaintances. 
These were, they were close. They would go on vacations together, if you will, right? They liked the same sports team. They would hang out and watch the Husker game on the, on the big screen together. I mean, these were these kind of people. They were the friends of friends. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus live in a small town called Bethany. Bethany is just a little hole in the wall town. It's in the state of Judea. And Jesus at this time is about two days walk away from, um, from Bethany which um, for us, it's a long walk for a teenager, it's forever, okay? But it's about two days' walk away from Bethany. Lazarus, Lazarus gets sick. And Mary and Martha send word to Jesus, Lazarus is sick. Now understand, this isn't like, um, Jesus, um, Lazarus has this weird rash, I'm not sure what to do with it, what kind of ointment should we put on it? It's not like that, okay? It's not like this kind of sick. You know, you're not sending word to Jesus two days away walk just because someone's not feeling well. You're sending word because Lazarus is about to die. Lazarus is very, very sick. And so they send word, and that's what we pick up in John chapter 11, verse 3. John chapter 11, verse 3, it says this, So the sisters, that's Mary and Martha, you guys want to turn to John chapter 11, we're going to be in there a lot. Okay? John chapter 11, verse 3. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. He sets up the relationship here of who it is. This isn't just some acquaintance. This is one of Jesus' closest friends. He loves this guy. This is not just some guy in Bethany. Jesus, your best friend, is really sick. This would be like us stopping and praying and saying, God, my marriage is a wreck. Please. It's like, God, 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 hey, God, my child, my child is deathly sick. I need you to do something. Please save my kid. It's like this. It's this idea of, God, we love you. Jesus, we love you. And we know that you love, you love Lazarus, so we need you to come quickly. Now, understand, God isn't up there in heaven going, what? Lazarus is sick. Why didn't we get into that? All right? Okay? God knows these things. Prayer, when we pray to God, prayer is not informing God of something that's happening. Prayer is saying, God, I know that you know this, but I'm coming to you because I'm at an intersection in my life. And I need you to tell me what to do. I don't know what to do, God. I've tried everything. Now what? Been there? Now what, God? What time? Time. Okay. This is my time. This morning, Andrew got to hear about worldly life and Tiger Woods. That's about some other time. Oh, not right now. Um, but tonight I'm going to talk about Mike time also. Now this is this is Mike time. This is this is Mike and Mike's own thought process. Okay, understand this. Here, you guys ready for this? If I was God, I'd do some things different. I would. I, I, I'd handle things a, a lot differently. One of the things on top of my list, if I were God, one of the things on top of my list that I would do differently was how prayers are answered. I'm telling you, I, I would have a whole different way there. It would be obvious, and it would be preferably audible. Okay? Obvious and preferably audible. So you could hear it with your, with your own ears. Mike, at the next intersection, turn left. Got it, God. Thank you. Awesome. There would be clouds in the sky that make arrows. Sweet. God has control of all these things. Why doesn't he think of this stuff? Really? God, or Mike... Your wife's phone is in the car. <laughs> Can't find anything ever. Alright, alright, so I'm being a little sarcastic. But, but God, but I wish God was clearer in my life. I wish when he spoke to me, when he answered my prayers, it was just so obvious I couldn't miss it. Just give me the info up front now. If my friend I'm praying for is gonna die, just tell me they're gonna die. If you if you're gonna tell me no, just tell me you're gonna tell me no. If I'm going to struggle the rest of my life with finances, tell me now, would you? Please, please, just tell me now. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. I put on my big boy pants today. I'm pretty sure God, just, just shoot me straight, would you? Would you just spit it out? Am I alone in this? Are they going to be healed or not, God? Should I even pray for healing? Or are you like, no, this is my will some other way? 
And, and you know, here's my deal. Here's my deal. It's not like God is vague. It's not like God is vague or unclear. It's like he's nowhere to be found. Oh my God, I need your help. This is how I feel. I know it's not true. I know God is there, but it's how I feel. And sometimes it drives me crazy. And then I look at the Bible. And guess what I find out from people in the Bible? God seemed to drive me crazy too. This is the situation we find Mary, Martha, and Jesus in. In John chapter 11, verses 5 and 6, read, look at that with me. John 11, verses 5 and 6. Now Jesus loved Martha. And he loves Lazarus already. He loved Martha. And her sister, which is Mary, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Jesus, that Lazarus was ill, what's he do? He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Are you stinking kidding me? Really? Let me summarize this for you. Mary loves, Martha, loves Jesus. Martha loves Jesus. And Lazarus loves Jesus. Jesus loves them too. Lazarus is deathly sick. He gets word of it. Jesus does nothing. You know what really frustrates me about the story? Is there other story? When people come up to Jesus and say, Hey, Jesus, come with me. My daughter's sick. And Jesus says, There is no need for me to come with you. I am God. I can heal them from here. Go back and you'll find that they're fine. Where's that today? Where's that in this instance? I mean, this family deserves it way more. I mean, these aren't strangers. These are his loved ones. And nothing? Seriously. Nothing? Can you imagine Mary and Martha, they send the messengers, they tell Jesus, and they come back. And they're like, well, where's Jesus? Well, did you tell him? Yeah, we told him. You told him it was Lazarus. Yeah, we told him it was Lazarus. You told him how bad it was. Yeah, we told him how bad it was. And, 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 and what are you saying? He's, he's not coming. What? He's not coming? You told him. Yeah, yes, girls, we told him. And what did he do? He, he just sat there. If this was me, let's be real transparent with you guys right now. If this was me and I had a hard time believing Jesus cared about me, let alone thinking I should follow him and that he had a better way. This confuses my head. John chapter 11, verse 7. Then after he said, then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Let me get this straight. Mary and Martha realized Lazarus was so sick, something has to be done. They sent messengers out. It takes them two days to get Jesus. Jesus does nothing. And it takes them two days to walk back and tell Mary and Martha. Now, after they have returned back, Jesus then decides, hey, you know what? It's probably a good idea for us to start heading that way. So it's going to take another two days to get there. Six days after the message, but after they knew it was bad. But the disciples look at Jesus and say, oh, Jesus, <coughs> Lord, sir, Jesus, Master, God, guy. Okay, um, I don't think this is a good idea. Remember, we were just in that area and the Jews tried to kill you? Have you ever tried to tell God he had a bad idea? <laughs> I, oh God, I can't yeah, really, but I know, I know what it looks like you're doing, but I, I just don't. John chapter 11, verses 8 through 10, let's read that. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. That's with rocks, not with like drugs, okay? <laughs> we were just seeking to stone you. And you are going there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? Okay. If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. Huh? Jesus uses a metaphor with light. He's saying, you're about to walk down a road, and the road you're about to walk down isn't going to make any sense to you at all. 
He's saying if you're going by your own logic, if you're going by the way you think, like I was talking before, the mic thinking, if you're going by your own, the way you would do God, by the way you think God should answer, this isn't going to make sense at all. You will stumble down that road. But if you allow Jesus to be the light of your path, he'll get you through it. He'll get you through it. John chapter 11, verses 11 through 16. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I must go and awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's asleep, surely he'll wake up. That makes sense, right? That makes sense. Now Jesus has spoken of his death, but they, the disciples, thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. He's not asleep. He's not resting. He's dead. And then listen to what he says here in verse 15. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And Thomas, called the twin or Didymus, said to the, other, to the fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Sometimes you just got to thank Jesus so that the disciples can roll his eyes, okay? Like, oh, come on, boys, keep up with me, all right? Keep up. Not asleep, dead. You think I'm really going to go back and be just asleep? But Jesus says, hey, I'm glad that I wasn't there. Now, understand this. Jesus was not glad that Lazarus died. As a matter of fact, we read later on, when, Lazarus, when Jesus gets back and he sees that Lazarus is dead, he understands that Lazarus is dead. It says the shortest... The shortest verse in the Bible says these words, Jesus wept. The word wept there is bold like a baby. Jesus was beside himself with grief because he understood because he was in the flesh and death had some, sort of, had some sort of effect on him as well. And so he's looking at this. It's not that he was glad that Lazarus died. Just like he's not glad about people having cancer. Just like he's not glad about broken relationship. What Jesus was glad about is he glad because he knows what is about to happen is going to blow up their faith to a whole new level. He knew what they were about to see, what they were about to experience, would stick with them like someone breathing into a dead dog would never leave your thought. It's going to be one of these instances, one of these things you see, you're like, whoa, how did that happen? If you keep reading in the scripture here, you'll realize right after this, it's not long after this at all, Jesus gets arrested. Jesus gets put, on, gets put on trial. And Jesus ultimately dies. This is one of the last days that the, that the disciples will get to spend with Jesus. And what's going to be on their mind? When things get tough. When it's like, guys, I don't know if we can carry through. When it's like, remember dead Lazarus? Remember dead Lazarus? I know a lot of you have heard this story, and I know how you know how it turns out. So for those of you who don't, real quick, let me, let, me, let me just break it for you. When Jesus gets to Bethany, Lazarus had been dead four days. That's the two days it took him to walk there, and the two days it took him to walk back. If Jesus would have came back with them, he probably would have showed up before Lazarus was, was, was dead. You get it? So Lazarus had been dead for four days. But shortly after he gets there, he actually raises Lazarus from the dead. Read that when you get home. Read the rest of John chapter 11. Pretend that you don't know that's what happened right now. Okay? Just pretend for me for a second. The people are going through this experience and they have no idea. They have never even considered the possibility that really dead things could be raised from the dead. That was not their thought process. They didn't know the end of the story. They didn't know that Lazarus could come back from the dead. They hadn't seen Jesus raised from the dead. This was unheard of. So Jesus shows up almost a week late. Almost a week after they sent the message. Four days after Lazarus' death. And it's not a happy scene. It's not He's been dead for a while. Really dead. Martha doesn't wait for him. No. She runs out to Jesus to meet him and to give him a piece of her mind. Look at John chapter 11, 21 and 22. 
Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. I want to break this down. Because if you haven't already, there will be a day when you yell at God. When you put your finger in his proverbial chest and you wonder, God, what are you doing? I love you. What are you doing? I was faithful and I came to you and I asked you, what are you doing? What? What? This doesn't make sense. Jesus is like, Mary, Mary, Martha comes up to Jesus, and she's like, Jesus, where have you been? I sent the message to you. If you would have came, you would have made it. But you chose to do nothing. Nothing. Why? Why, Jesus? Why would you not come when I sent for you? And now because you decided to do nothing, to, to do whatever you did in the other town, you stayed there for two days. Whatever you did, you thought was more important because of that. My brother is dead. You could have healed him. But you didn't. Thanks a lot, Jesus. Thanks a lot. You ever had a conversation similar to that? I have. Something bad happens in your life. You may be may have been an atheist five minutes ago, but now you're on your knees, on your knees, wheeling and dealing with God, right? If you heal her, if you fix that, if you take this away, if you send more money, I promise. From now on, I will do whatever you want me to do. I will never do it again. I will always do it every time. I will do it three times on Sunday, God. Whatever you want. And God doesn't do what you, what you think he ought to do. God doesn't answer your prayer on your timetable. And your reaction is this. Thanks a lot, God. I'm out. I'm out. I ain't messing with this. If you would have just done what I needed, the way I said it to be done, this wouldn't have happened. But you didn't do it. You had the power to do it, but you didn't do it. I'm out. If you're not there, you will be someday. For some of you, you think, if that's God, well, thanks. Look at verse 37. But some of them said, Could not he, that's Jesus, who opened the eyes of the blind man, also have kept this man from dying? We forget what these people have seen. They saw a blind guy. They see sad. They saw a guy by a pool to get his legs back. This is a crazy naked guy running around getting a demon cast out of him. It's one of the most common prayers we have. We look around and we see what God did for their marriage. We see what God did for their sickness. We see what God did for their for their finances. And we look at God and we say, where's mine? Where's mine, God? Hey, hey, look at me. Where's mine at? I deserve this too. I love you. I've done this. I've been that. And so you say, dear God, where's mine? And when he doesn't answer, you're like, what's the deal? What's the deal? Wasn't that good enough for you, God? You helped others. And those others you helped, honestly, I love them more than they love you. I love them way more. You can, I can back this up. Check out my church attendance. Check out my offering. Check out what I do with gospel communities. I'm better than them. So why won't you help me? God, I'm on your team, man. I want you help me. Maybe you're like, man, I bought what Pastor Joe said. I bought what you said, Mark. I bought this idea that God will never leave me or forsake me. But my question is, why won't you help me? The sharp turn happens in your life. And you're thinking, God, if you can't be here for me at this point right now, forget you, God. 
I'm just as good on my own. You know, I can tell you story after story of conversations just like this. They were like this. I, I used to be in God. I used to be in God, but then. I used to be in God, but then I lost my job. I used to be in God, into God, but then I was sexually abused. I used to be in God, but then something happened to my kid. I used to be in God, went into God, but then my wife walked out. Then my husband cheated. I used to be in God, but then my, 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 my kids, they, 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 one of my kids died. I used to be in, into God, and then something such and such happened. And I asked God, why? I asked him for help, and I got nothing. If that's who God is, I don't need him. And you wrestle through this sometime in your life. And God's not going to make sense to you. And you either have to trust His light or you're going to have to turn and go back into the shadows. The question is not, should I or how do I understand God? I don't know if we will. I don't. The Bible is clear on this, as a matter of fact. He says, there are things God is going to do and things that He won't. And it won't make sense to you and me. He says, my ways are above your ways. When I get to heaven, I have a whole list of questions of why for God. Literally. I mean, if you knew me, well, this guy, I literally have a list of questions for God. I think, you know, He says, you can't take it with you when you go. I'm pretty sure I'm taking it with me, okay? I'm going to read them on I want after nothing. Uh, questions, the question is not about the whys. The question we should be asking is not about the whys or the hows of God. The question is not, is not about whether you should be frustrated or not with God. The question is not about um, what God does or doesn't do and why He does or doesn't do it. No, that's not the question at all. Here's the question for you this morning. Here's the question that you must answer. Here's the question, if you've ever gone through these thoughts that I have just poured out in the most transparent way I can think of in any way, here's the question you have got to ask yourself. Listen to me here, people. Bring it in. Here's the question. Can you push through all of your questions anyway? Can you push through all of your doubts? Can you push through all of your frustrations? Can you push through all of your expectations? Can you push through to John chapter 11, verse 22? Listen to what Martha says after she says, If you had been here, my brother would not die. Listen to what she says in John chapter 11, verse 22. But even now, I know, I know. That whatever you ask from God, God will give you. In other words, Jesus, I don't know what just happened there. Jesus, I, I don't know why it happened. I don't like it. I've made that pretty clear. I wish you would have done it differently. I wish it wouldn't have happened. But even though I'm in this crappy spot, I still will trust you. And I will follow you into the next chapter of my life, my new normal. My new normal. We get so caught up in the way things were, we get so caught up in the way we think things should have been, that when we get pulled out of that comfort zone and stuck over here into a new normal, we fight it like cats and dogs. We're like, I don't want to, I can't do it. And God's like, no, here's where I want you. I will trust you, God, as I will push through. I will allow you to lead me through. I will allow you to drag me through, because that's probably what it's going to take, to my new normal. God, I hate this situation. I hate what just happened. But you're still going to my life. And I know who you are. I trust you. Mary and Martha loved you. They knew this. They kind of like having a plate with it. They knew him. They'd seen his power. They believed he was the Son of God before even the most of his disciples believed he was the Son of God. Now don't jump ahead on me. Don't be like, well, Lazarus was raised from the dead. Mary and Martha and the others had no idea that that was even an option. 
Raising Lazarus from the dead isn't what Martha was talking about here. Martha is saying this, Lazarus, and you understand my brother now is dead, and dead is dead. If you would have came within a few hours, I think you could have done something. But four days later, I'm pretty sure this is over. Lazarus is dead, God. I understand that. I'm going to have to accept that. I'm going to go through a mourning process, but I'm going to accept that, Jesus. But even now, in the disaster that is my life, even as I'm going through this realization, Jesus, I need you to do something. Because I don't know what else to do. And Jesus, if you, if you don't do something, well, I'm without options. That's what this is about. Push through. When all hell breaks loose in your life, can you trust God's sovereignty even then? Not for Him to make it like you want it done. There are tons of great verses in here. I could spend weeks breaking the verses down. And you know, honestly, I've heard preachers. I wish I could be that guy who makes all those promises. I do. I wish I could be the guy that makes the promises. If you had faith or more faith, I could promise you no cancer. I wish I could be that. I can't. I wish I could have the guy that makes the promises. You have faith, your kids will always be safe. It's not true. I, I wish I could have, make the promises of your marriage will always survive. You will always have enough money for your bills and then some extra. I wish I could tell you that. I wish I could point to some Bible verse and say, if you love Jesus, nothing bad will happen. But what Jesus actually said in John 16, 33, is he says these words, I have said these things to you, that in me you have, may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. That doesn't sound like very big peace. In this world... You're going to have trouble. He says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In this world, bad things will happen. And they won't make sense. They will shake you to your core. And while Martha is out in the street saying, Jesus, I know when we get to heaven, it will all get better. Jesus, that's what he's saying. I know it's done here. I know you have something better for me. I know when we get to heaven, it will be better. While Martha is saying that, while she's coming to this realization that there's nothing that can be done, Jesus says this in John, in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the I am the Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Then he says the most important words, words in life is Jesus. He says these words. Do you believe me? Do you? Do you believe God is in this? Do you believe that God's plan is better than your plan? Do you believe that no matter what kind of situation or junk you've got yourself into, do you believe that no matter whatever Satan serves at you, do you believe that no matter whatever the world has trampled you down with, do you believe that no matter what affliction has come upon you or your family, do you believe Jesus is the resurrection in your life. Can you believe what Jesus said? Do you believe that Jesus can mess, can reach into your mess? Do you believe that Jesus can reach into the mess of your marriage? Do you believe that Jesus can reach into the mess of your family? Do you believe that Jesus can reach into the mess of your problems? Do you believe he can reach into the mess of your addiction? Do you believe that Jesus can reach into the mess of the deadest 
part of your life, the most broken part of your heart, do you believe that Jesus can bring life from that? Do you believe that? That's the whole purpose of this whole thing. That's the whole purpose why Jesus says, I'm glad you weren't there. That's what he's asking us today. No matter what happens to you in this life, whether it's your fault or not, no matter how hard you try, no matter if it works or doesn't work, here's the truth. God, Jesus, will keep his promise. Can you believe that nothing can crush you? That's what God says. Nothing can crush you. I, I reported this this morning in my sermon. I want to say it to you guys as well. And it, it was by C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest authors ever. I love the guy to death. All right? And uh, but C.S. Lewis wrote, it said this, We are not bodies with an, eternal soul, with an eternal soul, but rather we are eternal souls in a body. Do you understand the difference? Do you understand who you are? Do you understand the power? You are not some accident. Jesus is asking us today, do you believe that? Do you believe that nothing can crush you? Do you believe that nothing can separate you from the love of God? It may destroy this earthly body. It may do that. It may blow up your home. It can do that. But it can't crush you. Do you believe that? Can I be transparent with you? I try. I really try to believe that. I do. Some days I do pretty good. Some days, not so much. Let me point something out to you. Because everyone wants to jump ahead and say, well, Lazarus was raised from the dead, right? That's where one points ahead here. Well, let me ask a question to you. Where's Lazarus at today? Did he stay alive forever? No, he had to die again, right? It wasn't that when Jesus raised him the dead, it was like, oh, you never have to die. It was like Mary and Martha had to die. Maybe he got ran over by a camel. I don't know what happened, but Lazarus is dead, okay? He probably got buried in the exact, exact same hole that he buried in the first time. They probably sat around the exact same table and cried the same way they did the first time. They probably ate the same cheesy potatoes and ham that they did the first time, right? He's dead. There has to be more to Christianity than praying and getting what you want. It's what we want. But there has to be something deeper to Christianity than you praying and getting what you want. Here it is. Here's what it is. Here's what Jesus is saying. Here's what is deeper than you praying and getting what you want. You ready for it? Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am alive. No matter what happens in your life, this statement is true. No matter how confusing life gets, no matter how unfair it is, no matter how much it hurts, Jesus is the resurrection and Jesus is alive. Jesus says, if you trust me, he promises to light your path he says it won't be easier, but he will get you through it. Whatever is dead in your life, he says, I won't let it crush you. I won't let it happen. Do you believe that he can reach into your mess and bring you back to life? Do you believe that today, church? Do you believe that God is big enough for you? Do you believe that no matter what Satan tries to do to you, that the resurrection of the cross that the life of Jesus Christ and what he did for you on that cross is enough for you to sustain. It is more than enough. Do you believe? Do you believe me? I think of communion. And I think of, 
think of the Apostle John that's giving us this story. He saw this stuff happen. All the miracles, he saw them. He was Jesus at the greatest time. He quoted himself as being the one that Jesus loved. And he made the Bible, so it must have been true. But you know that um, when Jesus was on the cross, Why have you turned your back on me? He heard him screaming the words of the sinner. And he watched his father go limp. I suppose when Jesus said to the disciples, when you do this, remember me. So you know I have to If you remember, John was also the one that ran to the, ran to the tomb. And John was also one of the ones that got to touch his hands and his side. And John was the one that preached and preached and preached. John was actually the only disciple that taught him that was a martyr. He lived a long life and died. He was kind of kicked off the God about that. He's like, take this thing, I don't want to be here anymore. I just want to be with you. Okay, guys. 
I'm ready to do that. I'm willing to pray to trust you. Pray. God, I love you. Please help us. Please help us to be people who desire your way. Please help us to be people who surrender to your will. God, it just sometimes it's so hard, it seems like life just comes and just sucker punches us. And in our own earthly, fleshly mind, we think we have a better way. God, I pray that you would teach us how to trust you. That you would teach us Paul's word for me to live as Christ. And as I live, I'm going to do everything by the will of God and trust him. Even if it doesn't make sense. But to die is gain. This world is not my home. I'm supposed to be somewhere else. So if I go on to heaven, I go on to heaven. To live as Christ. Right before his death, Jesus actually came to you because the, because the weight of this world was so heavy. He said, God, if there's any way, if there's any other way to do this, from the well. A gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.